This is a company call. This is your half-hour call. Your half-hour call, please. You have 30 minutes. Thank you. Bethan Dawson at Sheffield Theatres there. Thanks for the calls, Bethan. Hello, welcome back to the stage pod in association with Charcoal Blue. It is December now, and so it's almost Christmas, and so obviously we're doing panto. It's behind you. So first, the genius behind Hackney Empire's Panto, which turns 20 this year. So that's Susie McKenna, who's been writing the Panto for the last 20 years. She's been in it, she's directed it. And she talks to me along with her wife, Sharon D. Clark, who people will know from musicals like We Will Rock You and The Amen Corner. She's in Caroline or Change in the West End at the moment. She's also been in the most recent series of Doctor Who. So they're going to talk about, well, they met at the Hackney Empire Panto. Then Fergus Morgan is back. He has a particularly interesting go at being a panto dame. And finally, Lynn Gardner and stage critic Rosemary War talk to me about, guess what, panto. So, first of all, here's Sharon and Susie. You met in the Hackney Empire Panto, didn't you? We did. Well, we did. We met slightly before that at a mate's party, but it was Hackney Empire Panto where it all kind of... It kicked off. ...blossomed. <laughs> kicked off. So what? when was that and what panto was it? Um, that was, so, 98 going into 99. Yeah, ni- ni- 1999. Um, Cinderella. We, Cinderella. So you were in the same cast and you sort of slightly knew each other. Basically, the minute I start... When, when I was first asked to uh, write and direct the, in, the first in-house Hackney Empire pantos... The one I think one of the big things I'd said was that I wanted top quality um, West End artists to be in it. I would use my my mates, and that we would we would look at making the cast diverse and fabulously um, sort of top notch, but that we were we weren't really looking at, at going for um, uh, big TV names or anything. And so I I rattled off some artists, and the first the three pe- the first three people I said I wanted to work with was. Um, Stephen Edis as my uh, composer and to do the music and um, uh, Clive Rowe as Dame and Sharon D. Clark and, and as, I something. Just, as something. As something. I just said something. And the first year Sharon couldn't do it. I asked Sharon and I, I knew of her work and we had lots of mutual friends and I said I really wanted her to do it but she couldn't do the first year. But luckily she said yes in 99 and that was Cinderella. Um, and that was the show that launched the appeal for the Hackney Empire as well. Right. Yeah, with Prince Charles. With Prince Charles. And, Charles and... <laughs> and, and then 20 years later, or 19 years later, I suppose, you're, you're both still involved in the path. I mean, Susie, you're still writing it and you're, well, you're still basically the, the brains behind it. And Sharon, you're involved this year as well, aren't you? I have a part. I'm nothing at Christmas without my wife. And so, yes, <laughs> I have a part as Gaia, the goddess of light. Yes. Yes. She's very so, consistent every night. Every it's wonderful. Night. Press my button and off I go. <laughs> Wind me up, Well, Samuel. I was going to say, so you're not, you're not leaping from a Caroline or change to Hackney every night then? Maybe. I haven't got my jaunt belt yet, so no, not doing that. No, we'll but get them one people day. People might not remember jaunt belts now. <laughs> no, what is that? It's Tomorrow People. When you're, If you're our age, you remember a kid's show called The Tomorrow People, and okay. they had jaunt belts. Which were where... basically like um, Beam Me Up Scotty, but a belt, so you could do it yourself. You didn't have to go into the oh. control room. So you press your little jaunt belt and you would, you'd know, you'd you, be away. You could go anywhere. It was a kid's dream come true, you know? And it's like, <laughs> Actually, to be honest, it's still my dream. I'm still waiting for it to happen. (laughs) The jaunt belt. (laughs) 
Sharon, you're you're quite you're a bit closer to that kind of technology these days with Doctor Who, I suppose. <laughs> 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 Time and space hopping. Anyway, so and Sharon, you're in Death of a Salesman next year. I mean, how are you managing all your time? Because it's just insanely mad, isn't it? It's feast or famine in this biz- this business, and at the moment, I seem yeah. to be feasted. So next week, all my jobs cross over. They cross over about these two or three weeks. It's it's fun, you know what I mean. You've got to do it while it's here. Yeah. I'm just lucky she yeah. was able to say yes, and I could grab her in the studio for for a, for an hour, a couple of hours. So um... yeah, it, 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 just trying to get time with your own wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Put it in the schedule. I think um, that was how Sharon felt when I was running Hackney Empire. Was the only way she could actually see me was to come down and do something. I'd have to do panto. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to do it so we can discuss what we're having for dinner. But I, I don't. Yeah, you have to be in a show. <laughs> <laughs> but we we don't have that worry now. But uh, but at least yeah. you know at the moment we're both busy, which is you know gosh we count our blessings in this business. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's brilliant as well that you know Panto's been this kind of con- point of consistency sort of for two decades now in 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 both of your lives. I mean, so so this year's Aladdin, isn't it? It is. Yes. So how many times have you done Aladdin? It's our third Aladdin. It's one of my favourites. It really is one of my favourites. Um, I I actually was playing Principal Boy Aladdin when I met Clive Rowe in 1989. I think it was his first dame. Yes, it was. It was his first dame as Widow Twanky. So it's, um, yeah, it means a lot to quite a few of us, actually. Mm. Yeah. And it's brilliant that Clive's back this year as well. Oh, it's lovely to have him back. I mean, he you know, he doesn't do Ugly Sister, so there was never on the cards for last year. But the fact that he wanted to come back for the 20th anniversary... And also is joined by the wonderful Tamika Empson, who um, she did about six or seven on the trot. Um, and then, of course, got whisked away to that sort of fringe TV programme. Um, yeah, EastEnders, that's the one. <laughs> and uh, she, you know, again, because it was a 20th anniversary, she she moved heaven and earth to 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 be able to come to and do the show with us. Because she's family. Do you know she's what I mean? Family. She's part of the Panto family and a lot of the Panto family back. We've got Tony Whittle, who's done up-team Pantos. Cat yeah, yeah. B, who's probably the only one who's consistently done every title that yeah, you've done. he's the only one who's done every title. It's We're having an absolute blast, I will say. We really are. I'm not just saying that. It's been such a... It's gone so quickly, and we're now in preview... Um, and we press next week, and yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting, terrifying, <laughs> but it, you still know, terrifying. The, after well, 20 the pressure years. is the pressure is high. It's the twentieth yeah. year, and I, I to say I don't feel the pressure would be an absolute lie. Um, I'm proud to say I think we've been a trailblazer in many ways, and you know, you 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 end up being in competition with yourself a bit about how you can still keep keep people coming and still involving the local community as well as wider London. Yeah, I, and I, I suppose as well it, it must take up quite a lot of your your year because when do you start working on it? I, I storyboard in February because I, I'm in the mood to start storyboarding the next one, believe it or not, by the end of the, the current one. Once I've storyboarded, we then look at budget and ideas and see what we can afford because... Hackney Empire does not have a massive budget. I've got a team that makes... And you um, don't get any subsidy. No, so it's important that we we can't spend so much that it doesn't make enough money for the theatre to to, to really bolster the the, the theatre's coffers. coffers. So 
Um, it's a real fine balance. So, so that sort of that budget sort of discussion, which is usually quite painful, <laughs> happens in March, yeah. uh, March April. We start designing ideas, and then I and then I I, I just have notepads everywhere and my and my iPhone and all sorts and just keep writing down ideas and key moments in the year that I feel we should chat about in the panto anything that's happened just keep that going it's like a constant and then I I cast in June um usually cast in June and then that means I can write actually for the actors that we cast in July August so I'm, uh, it's not. It's not that I write. I write these characters, and then I find the actors to fit them. It's very much the other way around. Yeah. And, and 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 trust me, when I you know I write for them, and then knowing full well that they bring they bring that plus so much more when they actually get in the room. Right, right. But that's the advantage of having uh, you know, as as you say, a family that you've worked with for so long, which is that you know first of all how to write for them so the the lies sound you know natural and coming from them but then also you know what they're gonna well you don't know what they're gonna bring to it but you know that they are going to bring things to it as well and having that trust must be so helpful yeah the trust and the shorthand and the fact that we're all close Mm. i think um you know i think that that really helps um us sort of make it feel more organic in some way you know and there's people who know each other and have known each other (laughs) for years Mm. we have a natural banter when we're in the room so all of that goes into the show usually taking the mickey out of me i I hasten to say but (laughs) got to be some advantages (laughs) (laughs) musically as well um steve and i and and mark dickman who's our musical wonderful musical director now and and then when we look at sort of what covers we do we all pitch in, but normally I've got a pretty good idea what covers I I want for the for the show. You know, I knew there's a song that that Tamika Empson does in Aladdin, and it was so funny because it it was a song that came to my mind when I saw the Melania coat uh, debacle, um, the I don't care <laughs> coat, and and uh, and, and it's there's an old Judy Garland number called I don't care and. I it was so funny because I saw it on television and I just started singing it to myself and I went oh my god that would be great in panto <laughs> and it's that's just the sort of madness that happens during the year you know and I made a note played it to Tamika and she went oh yeah I've got to do this <laughs> so it's not just keeping an eye on the charts then it's like just you know songs popping into your head and you're like yeah that's perfect yeah writing them down all the time you know and some yeah. songs I've I've written down that um are in my list that I've not had a chance to use yet over mm. twenty years. I know that one day I will, if yeah. I do keep going, but uh, you never know. Never stops working, darling. Stops working. <laughs> Always thinking. God, yeah. we're also coffee, coffee, man. Sorry. <laughs> uh. And then, so, well, in terms of that, in terms of, you know, the next potential 20 years, how much can you plan in terms of, like, do you know that you're going to do it for another five, ten years or whatever, or are you just taking it sort of as it comes? I only take it as it comes. It's a yearly mm. thing. I mean, genuinely, that's been... I've never had a contract for more than a year. <laughs> Would you trust this woman? Would you trust this woman after 20 years? I don't know. I have a I have a yearly contract. So, um yeah, I I'm I mean I guess I I guess I'm I'm hoping if people still want them then that would be amazing. But if they don't then there's you know I, I might tread the boards again and I'm I'm enjoying being a freelance director very much. But for me I I love Hackney Empire and I adore the fact that I've had the privilege of being able to tell tell these stories there every year and 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 feel like there's a I have so many people in the audience come up to me who said oh um 
you know, I was a kid and, the, and by the way, this is my kid and I now bring them, you know. Um, that tradition is really lovely. And you get that a lot in regional theatre, I think, in some yeah. subsidised theatres. I used to get it at yeah. Nottingham Playhouse. It's a consistency. You know, um, I was a principal boy there for eight years and people in the street used to call me our Susie and I, I absolutely loved that. It was really humbling and really mm. lovely. I used to get a lovely discount in the co-op. But I mean, that and that's special and I, and it was very much what I, that was the model I wanted to try and create at Hackney, never thinking that it would A, last this long and B, be, uh, d- be you know, uh, luckily successful enough to really help the theatre's coffers. But you see, London is full of communities. You know, it's so important that Hackney doesn't lose that that identity and indeed its identity. And the same goes for every borough across London. And and what I mean, you know, following on from that, what do you two think is the kind of importance of Panto within that, uh, you know, the theatre community and within within the idea of community? I mean, personally, I think the thing is about Panto, it's, it's the first time that many people children obviously children particularly. but particularly come to the theater but also it's often the first time some adults come to the theater and it may be the only time some people come to the theater you know yeah. and i think that means it's really important that it's taken really seriously and that it's a way of engaging them and saying do you know what theater is for you it's for you this is this across uh, the board uh, it's for you the board. and you will see yourself represented yeah and i think then if you can light that spark then hopefully you're creating audiences and indeed performers for the future. It's a sense of our our Britishness, but mm. it's at the same time, I think that's why it needs to evolve because our Britishness needs a, means changing. a lot more yeah. and it's a lot yeah. different. And, and, and Sharon, I mean, do you find when you're, if you're on stage at something like Caroline or, or Change in the West End, do you find that the audience you're looking out at is different from the one you're seeing when you know if you're on stage in, in a in a Hackney Empire Panto? Luckily, on this run of Caroline, we are experiencing much more diverse audience. When we first started, we were in Chichester. That is not the most diverse of audiences up there. But now that we're in the West End, we've been holding hands with a project called the Black Theatre Ticket Project. We're having lots of tourists. I talked to a young boy the other day who'd flown over from Israel, especially because Caroline or Change is his favourite show. That kind of reached and we're getting, we had the Mousetrap project in the other day, mm-hmm. so there are more young people from different diverse backgrounds. So I'm lucky enough on this show, this run, to be experiencing the kind of pantos that I'm, the, the kind of panto audiences that I'm used to seeing. As a Londoner, yeah. it's very important for me to look out and see a diverse audience. It doesn't happen often enough, it but it's happening enough. more. I mean, the thing is about Hackney, I mean, I, do you remember that time we were on stage together, um, Vanity and Charity? Oh, beautiful, um, absolutely beautiful. Front row, young Muslim family, um, young white family, a Chinese couple. A mix-up Jamaican. An white, older white. Jamaican mixed couple. Do you know what I mean? Oh, all on the front row, just this, this, this melting pot of London and its various communities. South Asian, Chinese. South Asian, Chinese. People all at the same point laughing with their heads thrown back, all these different cultures and finding the same thing funny. That's quite a profound moment, really. Yeah, it's it makes amazing. You very, very proud. Well, Sharon, t- Sharon welled up and yeah. I looked at her and I was like, What's up? <laughs> and, she talk- and, and we both felt it, you know, we both did. And it was funny, actually, the other night we had a, we had a, 
um, a very quite well-to-do uh, white couple who came up to our sound designer and they, they, they loved the show and they were asking him um, uh, uh, about things because he was sitting there with all his computers because we're still in preview and they said, look, we, we, we just need to ask you something and, and he said, of course, of course, what? And he said, well, we, there was a joke about jerk there was a joke about jerk chicken and we weren't we everybody applauded and we weren't really sure so could you could you tell us what it was all about and so dan being dan gave them the whole thing about the jerk rice um jamie debacle oliver. the jamie oliver thing <laughs> and about uh, a misappropriation and all sorts of things and they were like oh thank you so much well we're going to look it all up now and i just thought that was that's great because it it starts a conversation. Yeah. It's what London's all about, and is is all the richer for that. This melting pot of different cultures and mm-hmm. different ideas and different energies all coming together, yeah, and just brewing and creating and 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 shining. And we must yeah. never ever lose sight of that. No. We we are very very fortunate. And how do you two find it when you're working together? Are you are you good at working together, or or is it you know kind of slightly weird or what i'm not sure i should answer that one i think sharon can answer that one <laughs> there's absolutely nothing weird about us working no, together no. at all we met and fell in love working together yeah so that yeah. that doesn't change when we're on a job that's that's how we live it that's feels how... like the pair of slippers that yeah that, that the spark that happened when we were working together so I guess in that sense, we, I love it. I yeah, absolutely, absolutely adore it. it. I fell in love watching Susie's work ethic and watching how she worked and how she ran a room and this, this wonderful, mad, crazy energy driving a room. I fell in love with her doing that. It, it's a, a blessing and a privilege to be and, in a room with her watching that. And how could I not fall in love with Sharon D. Clark? Come on, you know that. And Aladdin is at Hackney Empire until the 6th of January. Now, Fergus has had a masterclass in voice coaching and in circus skills. And now maybe, finally, he's found his calling as a panto dame. Spoiler, oh no, he hasn't. Over to you, Fergus. Thanks, Tim. Uh, So I've just got off Hammersmith Tube and I'm walking down King Street towards the Lyric Hammersmith where, God help me, I'm about to meet Carl Milani who plays the dame in this year's Panto, and he's going to give me a masterclass in being a dame. Do you want to try and turn this off then? I know it doesn't come on. Sorry if we're already recording. We are already recording. Oh, right, right, there we go. So, hello, my name is Carl Milani, and I am currently at the Lyric Theatre in Hammersmith for this year's season of pantomime with the fabulous Dick Whittington, and I'm playing the role of Dame Sarah Fitzwarren. Now, just for the people, because there are they do exist who don't know what pantomime is, don't know what a dame is in pantomime. Right. Briefly explain what being a dame actually involves. Obviously, pantomime is one of the greatest theatrical traditions that we have in this country. Certainly for myself, it was the very first experience of live theatre that I had when I was um, a kid. I think I was six or seven. It was my grandparents, actually, that took me to the local theatre to watch the pantomime at Christmas, and I remember just being spellbound. It's one of the last vestiges of the great British music hall in insofar as we keep these strong theatrical traditions alive every Christmas and pantomime has its set formula and set rules like as most people know you cheer the goodies boo the baddies there's a fairy with magical powers the prince charming the princess and then in the middle of all this madness you always in a pantomime tradition they will have a dame so a dame is always a man dressed as a woman uh, this again harks back to tradition where the principal boy, so for example, Peter Pan in Peter Pan, Robin Hood in Robin Hood, would always be played by a a girl. 
And it was that whole sort of vaudeville, music hall, cross-dressing. It's just basically a man in a dress making people laugh at Christmas. What could be more fun than that? <laughs> now, we are doing this in a studio at the Lyric Hammersmith, and you're looking quite extraordinary at the moment, Carl, because you've got a great <laughs> uh, great sort of sequin silver dress on, and you've got these extraordinary makeup around your eyes. How long does all that take? I would say that I need to be generally in the theatre two hours before a, a show. In that time, it's, yeah, starting to get the makeup on. Yeah, we're one week into shows, and... I think two of my pillowcases are already blue and my eyebrows may be permanently stained until 2019. <laughs> um, people, sometimes people look down on Panto or if you're in Panto or anything like that, but it's great, isn't it? It's so much fun. It's fantastic. This is really my first foray into the, into the world of Panto, certainly professionally anyway, on this level. And um, I have to say that the staff here at the Lyric and the, certainly the writing and the, the musical direction and the sets, the costumes, the wigs... The, the technical support and everything. This is as good as any show that you would see in the West End and in some places even more exhilarating because you've got that element of not knowing what the audience is going to do. And I just always think what, a, what an extraordinary thing for someone's first experience of theatre to be such a warm, welcoming, fun, silly, spontaneous environment. I exactly. Think that's, it I think is. that's brilliant. When we joined the company here at The Lyric, we were asked to provide a sentence that began with I love Panto because and my sentence was because it introduces children to the magical world of live theatre and hopefully as it did with me makes theatre fans for life absolutely right now we're going to have a little go you're going to try and teach me how to be a dame how to yes. interact well, with an audience try. like a we dame are, we're going we're to try and get up there I mean it involves a lot of shouting and we are still quite early and uh, you are going to do this as is it Sarah? Dame Sarah. As Dame Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Fitzwarren, from yes. Dick Whittington. In, I'm, a la- I'm actually a little bit scared about the transformation that's about to happen. Yes, don't worry, it's okay. You've, you've seen the worst of it with the eye makeup. <laughs> so, the first thing, obviously, is your first entrance. I hike from the north of England, so my Sarah is a northern dame. And your first entrance will always be welcoming the, the audience and welcoming the children. So, shall I just go for it? You go for it, Okay, yeah, let's do it. So, hello, boys and girls! Oh, now, come on, you can do better than that. I said, hello, boys and girls. To which normally gets, obviously, cheers yeah, and applause and screams. Um, Shall I have a quick Do you want to have a go? Shall I have a go, yeah. Right, okay. so, yeah, so remember, you need to hit it at a level. Okay, really... Yeah, hit it at a level. It. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, you said you were from Ipswich. Give me a nice, strong, broad Ipswich accent. Hit it at a certain level and then you've got to top it afterwards. Here we go. Go on, Fergus, you can do this. Hello, boys and girls. Oh, come on, you could do better than that. I said, hello, boys and girls. Well, let's just say I think my eyeshadow is safe for now, but uh, <laughs> it was certainly a very good try. Okay, let's go on to number two. That was, that was, uh, right, so this, I was awful at that one. Right, it? so this one, it's an old pantomime trick that they use in every pantomime, and that obviously I get to do in this one, which is the, the need of sympathy. Right, okay. You know, for any dame, usually things haven't been going too great of late. She's lost That's, her husband. She's well, lost yes, her you know, yeah, like she's that. something like that. She's forced to run they're a cafe poor, with no customers. They're always pretty poor, yeah, they're always pretty poor. Although can afford some extraordinary dresses, which is always strange. But so in this one, we've been in, in, in our version of Dick Whittington, Sarah Fitzwarren runs a cafe. Right. One of the what well, used to be one of the best cafes in Hammersmith called the Overeasy, but unfortunately, things haven't been going too great. Okay. Here we go. Oh Hammersmith. I pride myself on having the best buns in the business. And time was <laughs> my banana split had them queuing out of the door. But lately 
we've been losing money hand over whisk. It's awfully sad. To which we asked the audience to, ah. Oh. That, was, that was heartbreaking. And then, you know, then you have to follow that up with, no, come on, I said it's awfully, awfully sad. Which gets an even oh. bigger, ah, uh, there we go, you see, sympathy. Do you want to give this one a go? I do. Feel free to give me some tips and tell me if I'm doing this terribly. Okay, so earnest. You need to be very earnest on this one. Come on, it's, you know, you're asking the audience to, to really, really give you their hearts here in sympathy. So dig deep and find those real emotions. Okay, uh, I pride myself on having the best buns in the business. Time was... Right, stop. Got... I'm going to stop you there. Just yeah. give me... I need you to give me more on the more word buns. 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 Come on, buns. Okay. It's a gift of a word. I pride myself on having the best buns in the business. Well, that's better. You see, you're getting there I now. I pride myself on having the best buns in the business. Time was, my banana split had them queuing out the door. But lately, we've been using... Slow ah, down. Slow down on this, on, on this third line. Quickly. Slow down and really pull but on their lately, heartstrings. But lately, we've been losing money hand over wish. Now, dig deep. It's awfully sad. Oh... Can do better with that. Come on, you can do better than that. Come it's on, all... now you can do better with that, and I can do better with that. Yeah. Now, come on, I said it's awfully sad. Oh. oh. Well, you've certainly got me feeling sorry for you, anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> whether that's the not whether sure. that's the dialogue or the delivery, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, right. So, and last more. but not least, now this so this is a really important bit of Dame performance, right. and this is the high stakes drama. So, in this scene, what little money, what little bitcoins we have left in our safe at the over easy has been stolen by Dick Whittington, or has it? So this is the high-stakes drama where Sarah sends Dick away. Dick Whittington, be gone from the over-easy and never darken my door again! Oh my God, are you okay? I'm fine, no, thank you, yes, it's just... It's... It was an eyelash. No, so if you see what I did there, Fergus, you have to start off with the strength, and even though it's killing her to say this, she has to hold herself together until Dick has finally left and she's on, alone on stage, and that's when she breaks down. It was a very physical performance it as well. It is as well, yeah. Very proclam proclamatory. It has got to be, yeah. And it's even bigger when you're dressed as a full English breakfast, which I am <laughs> in this scene. So, <laughs> let's give this a go. So okay. this is your, this is the pinnacle. This is high stakes, high drama. High stakes, high drama. So let's do this. Be careful that beanie hat doesn't fall off. Let's just go for it. Come on. <laughs> Dick Whittington, be gone from the over easy. I'm going to stop you there. Just yeah. slow, down, slow down. Think okay. deeper, bigger, more I rooted. Care more. I need to care yeah. more. You need to care more. Take more breath into your lungs before you say it. <gasps> Dick Whittington, be gone from the over easy. And never darken my door again. <laughs> I can't okay. see any Olivier's in, on your horizon, but... I think you did. I think it was a very, very good. It was a very good start. I don't think. Yeah, it was a good start, wasn't it? It was a when good maybe start. Maybe in later years. Who I'll knows? Develop. Who knows? Who knows? Now, I've got one more thing for us to try. Part of being a dame is being spontaneous with audience interaction, isn't it? And it is. Abusing people a little bit, playfully abusing people. Never abuse. Only now, love. <laughs> now I've written some puns and innuendos. Right. That I want you to tell me how good they are. Okay. So let's do the it. The first one. What's your name? My name's Sarah. Sorry? Sarah. No, I heard. I'm just sorry. Oh, Lord. Okay. That's a classic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's a good one. I okay. mean... Where are you from? Uh, well, I'm from uh, Hammersmith. Sorry? Hammersmith. No, I heard. I'm just sorry. Same joke. Okay. Same, Same joke. joke twice. Yeah. I'm using twice. Um, both equally as effective, I think. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, and I've also got some, I've also got some uh, ones about jobs, because dames traditionally have quite a lot of husbands, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it varies in different pantos. My husband's never referenced in this show. Is he not? So, no. It's quite woke panto. Probably, yeah, maybe too painful to talk about. Oh, well, I've written some about husbands and what they did as a job. So okay. for this one, you have to say that you... I'm going to ask you what you do, and you're going to have to say that you were a road worker for okay. the first one. So I'm not Sarah Fitzwarren this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, all right, go on then. What do you do? Uh, I'm a road worker. My second husband was a road worker. I never believed the people that said he stole from work, but I suppose when I got home, all the signs were there. <laughs> That's not That's bad, quite actually. Good, that is quite good. My delivery is quite bad, but... The delivery the is very... Well, the, the, delivery is, the delivery is very monotone, but, you know, some people go for that. Some people make a career off that. Do you want to have a go at one of them? I'd happily have a go. I've got some... So ask me what I do, and then I'll, I'll go for that one. All right, then, so... Hello, my love. What do you do as a job? I'm an electrician. You're an electrician? Oh, my fourth husband was an electrician. He was terrible, though. When people found out how bad he was, they were always shocked. That's quite good. Maybe my future's in writing. Pantos. Maybe should we do should one be more writing. I'll do one, one more. Like so what are you going to be? You're um, going to... Uh, yeah, that one's quite funny. Uh, hello, my love. Where do you work? I work in a calendar factory. Oh, my fifth husband used to work in a calendar factory. But you know what? They fired him. All he did was take a day off. <laughs> it's all in the delivery. Good, isn't it? Okay, fantastic. I think, I think, you've, oh, I think we've both suffered enough. <laughs> I think. No, it's been great. Thank you. That was Fergus Morgan with Carl Milani from Dick Whittington at Lyric Hamsmith, which runs until the 6th of January. Now, a word from our sponsors, the lovely Charcoal Blue. What makes the perfect performance venue? Is it good seats, great views of the stage, the bar, a queue for the toilet that doesn't take you out the front door? In truth, every venue is unique, from a rehearsal room to a West End house to a large-scale presenting venue or even an arena. Undertaking the design or renovation can be a challenge, but at Charcoal Blue, that's all they do. Charcoal Blue are the leading theatre, acoustic and digital design consultancy that have designed, renovated, tweaked and polished more than 150 performance and presentation spaces, both here and abroad, over the past 14 years. From a six-person mobile podcasting studio, oh, that sounds handy, to a new home for the London Symphony Orchestra, their team of experienced musical and theatre professionals innovate at any scale. With studios in London, Bristol and Glasgow, speak to them today about how they can help you realise your ambitions for your space. You can find them at charcoalblue.com or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at charcoalbluetc. Here's Lynn Gardner and Rosemary Waugh and me sitting outside Cafe Nero in the rain, but I was the only one that got dripped on. So, Rosemary, you're perhaps uh, on the, um, I don't know, the evil stepmother side of the spectrum, whereas Lynn's on the fairy godmother side, but not that extreme, because, Lynn, you've written in defence of it a lot before and how it's a really important art form, and, Rosemary, you've uh, trashed uh, children's shows. <laughs> <laughs> I should, like, cackle that more, actually, yeah, shouldn't I? That exactly. was more of, like, a... <laughs> um, um, so what do you think about Panto, Rosemary? I... I think they're a little bit like mince pies in that everybody has them at Christmas and tolerates them and when you're eating them you kind of think oh yeah this is actually alright but then ultimately they're not because they're a mince pie and if you never had another one you wouldn't really mind. I completely disagree about that, mince pies. I, th- I actually, funny enough, I'm with Rosemary on the mince pies. Really? Yeah, I, I, I've had one mince pie this year couple of weeks ago and I will probably have one more and then that will be it. What? Yeah. I basically yeah. all I eat yeah. from December <laughs> to yeah. February. But where I don't agree with her is uh, in terms of uh, panto. I mean, I think that it's perhaps true that almost the worst form of theatre 
is a really, really bad panto because I think there's something about that sense of being trapped in the theatre and it's enforced jollity. Yeah. You know, that can be really, really uh, awful. And I also think, oh God, this is going to sound so terrible that I'm going to say it, but I think because so many pantos are generic, they're yeah. produced by commercial managements that, uh, in a sense, they've already killed the whole thing dead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before they've even begun. Yeah, and, and also I find it slightly weird being a critic at a panto if you're on your own, because it's so difficult to know how much to join. Like if you're with someone else and you're having a nice time, or if you've had a glass of wine or whatever, it's much easier to join in with the fun and, and get on your feet and do all the responses and stuff. But I think the thing to do is to go to a school's performance, mm. okay. uh, because I think that makes all the difference, because even if you're completely on your own, it's almost impossible not to have a really good time if you're in a room with 511 year olds yeah, yeah. I'd actually agree with that that despite fundamentally not liking pantomimes I have had quite a good time at some of them and it has normally been with school's performances so why do you I don't think that anyone would ever claim to genuinely like a pantomime. It is the experience of going, and that can be really fun. But then I feel like the fun aspects of it could be conjured through a different bit of theatre. That if we did, say, for instance, like just Christmas shows that aren't pantomimes but are other Christmas shows, you often get like the same level of like that's a really like enjoyable community event. I want to ask you something, and I feel really unfair that I'm even asking. Uh, do you think this could be your inner snob talking? Probably. I think it's also my inner, like, fear of audience participation. Or yeah. I also, I wonder whether it's because I know, I, not just for pantomimes, I just didn't in general go to the theatre when I was a kid, but I definitely didn't ever go to a pantomime or anything. So I don't have nostalgia for it. Yeah. No, so I, I don't know whether that would maybe, funnily like, funnily enough, I didn't at all. I, I definitely came from a theatre-going family, but we never went to the pantomime, you know, theatre going stopped on December the 1st. And I suppose one of the reasons that I think that panto is really great is that I think theatres need to think really hard about why is it that they managed to get an audience at Christmas for the panto. Yeah, because uh, isn't it true that lots of regional theatres, they make their money for the year essentially from the Oh yeah, no. But then you've absolutely. got regional theatres like, say, the Bristol Vic or the Sherman Theatre that does a Christmas show that isn't a pantomime yeah. and but they still bring in like absolutely loads of people yeah but, but that's because round the corner the Bristol Hippodrome because the commercial, has, is, commercial is, is packing in 2,000 yeah. people a night at the pantomime yeah I think there is something around the fact that when theatres really need to think very hard about who it is that they are not serving you know uh, about what is it why is it that suddenly at Christmas they yeah. are able to serve people who wouldn't dream of entering those spaces the rest of the year? Yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, uh, I think particularly in terms of the fact of, you know, when you think about Warwick Commission and who it is that goes to the arts, the best educated, least diverse, richest 8% of the population, then I think Panto has something to tell us about access. Yeah. Are you getting dripped on? Uh, no, I'm okay. Am I the only one? Oh well. 
Um, but you, you don't. I mean, you, you recognise Rosemary. It's like it's got importance and value in the community. And yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's kind of one of those things where it's an argument that I absolutely agree with everything that Lynn just said. And I feel like it's one of those things where you can intellectually believe um, in the value of something, yet I still never in my heart would confess to genuinely enjoying a pantomime. Maybe you've just never seen a good one. I've seen some fantastic ones, actually. Oh, you have? I have actually had some oh. quite good times at them. That's the thing, I think that... But what I, do you mean not genuinely enjoy it? I think it's just that they, yeah, it is kind of like once you've got the measure of it, that is what it is, isn't it? I mean, it's never really going to be something that's going to like set the world on fire. But I think the thing that we shouldn't underestimate is um, is the element of craft that really goes in. It's a bit like I think that thing of you know doing children's theatre that lots of people go, oh, children's theatre, that's all a bit rubbish, isn't it? But actually, you know, a, a cho- an audience of children are actually the most exacting audience, and yeah. I think a pantomime audience is as well. Yeah. Bore them for a second, then they'll let and you, you know. Yeah, and they will let you know. And yeah. but panto is also one of few forms of theatre that is kind of expansive enough to absorb anything that might happen that's not part of the script or whatever. What's that thing about the cat walking across the stage? You know, Chris. Gibson, oh, the Chris Good yeah, thing that yeah. when you were basically a disruption. Or yeah, the, yeah. Like anything that happens during the running time of a panto, it can be commented on or laughed at or absorbed into the show somehow. Yeah. Which is a, you know, yeah. it's, it's sort of a reminder of yeah. I don't know, like the liveness of it, I suppose. And I think that is it. I think it is absolutely kind of super live yeah. in a way. Also, I think there's something about the fact that. I think it's event theatre in a way that most theatre probably isn't now unless, for example, you've got tickets to go and see Harry Potter or to go and see Hamilton or something like that. It's this kind of big occasion where it is often a family outing and you go together. And also, how often in theatre do indeed generations go together? Uh, And that's, you know, theatre is often an adult-only zone or effectively, you know, it is theatre for children. This is something that, you know, when it's great, is for absolutely everybody. Well, that's part of the craft of Panto as well, is trying to write it so that it's pitched at kind of an age range from, Mm. you know, four to 96 or whatever, because you've got to have the jokes that go over the kids' heads. And it's the same as well for any Christmas show. Like, if you're yeah, not going for, like, true. a kid's one, you're just going for a family show. Would you rather, Rosemary, go to a, just, like, a Christmas show? Oh, yeah, completely. And I actually, like, like Christmas shows. What, what have been some good ones? So, the best one I ever saw was The Little Mermaid in Bath oh, last year. Great, wasn't that was it? so great. Was and they're doing like the Scarlet Pimpernel <laughs> this yeah. year. Wow. Which yeah. is which is a really like random choice which looks like it's gonna be amazing as well. Yeah. Because I'm aware that Panto isn't like my natural thing that I just genuinely like, it actually if anything probably makes me a nicer reviewer because I'm really conscious that yeah, it would confident. be easy for me yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm aware that if I was to badly review it, that people might just be like, well, you just don't like Panto. And then I'd have to be like, yeah, that's kind of true. And then I'd sort of feel bad. <laughs> Liz, have you ever given a Panto five stars? Yes. Which one? Uh, Hackney Empire. Oh, yeah. Really? I enjoyed Nottingham last year. You know what I've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to do, actually, this would be your idea of hell. <laughs> I'd really like to do, do just, a, a complete, just a week of... 
just going to one pantomime after another. Though actually, that's one of the things I'm always quite struck about pantomimes is often they're quite long. Like, uh, it's like Hamlet. Give people (laughs) We will give you your money's worth. (laughs) (laughs) You think maybe we should have the Marina Abramovich durational pantomime? (laughs) (laughs) Just pop in and out. (laughs) The panto is present. (laughs) The dame is present. The dame is present. Yeah. That could be my Christmas show, my like avant-garde stop Christmas show. You could get, you could have Marina, Marina Abramovich in a room with like a box of dame costumes, and you have to dress her up yeah. as your favourite dame. Actually, this sounds more, in some ways, a bit more like a forced entertainment show. Yeah, doesn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I want for Christmas: is forced entertainment. <laughs> it yeah. is quite rare, I suppose, to see. Panto, because uh, Panto in and of itself is pretty experimental when you put it in the context mm. of a theatre. But you don't really see it deviating from the form too much, I suppose, even with the good and the original and the inventiveness. They're not deviating too far from that, are they? Yeah. But funnily enough, I read a piece in the stage by Simon Sladden for the V&A the other day, and he was talking about some of the racist stereotypes in pantomime, and I think that can and is and, you know, be an issue, and I think it sometimes is, particularly in pantos like you know, Aladdin, mm. Robinson Crusoe, those kind of things. Um, but having said that, he was kind of saying, well, actually, we need the form to kind of just evolve in order to yeah. allow that. And it did make me think that, uh, you know, we think nothing now about the idea of classic plays being kind of reinvented and reimagined, yeah. or Shakespeare being... Well, some you know, people get Well, well <laughs> probably the three of us sitting around this table... <laughs> think nothing about those things and I just wonder wouldn't it be interesting if you perhaps tried to do that with mm. pantomime well yeah. so in the last episode we had your vision of uh, Sweeney Todd oh yes so what's your vision of a pantomime <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't know I mean I don't think I've thought about it yeah, enough yeah. but yeah Ivo van Hove, you know doing uh... <laughs> no that's more like that would be a right Christmas Grinch about Ivo van Hove's <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think there's something else, which is that I listen. I, I don't mean in a uh, you know that they're going to tell us about the state of the nation, like David Hare's latest plays, you know, uh, Wait, or they? not, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do think that you know they can be kind of quite slyly political. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you think David Hare should write a panto? Maybe. That could be like... Sort of no, the women point. characters would be rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who would you like to, though, seriously? I don't know. That's a really interesting question. Who are some people? Actually, Rash Dash would be good. Yes, that Rash Dash really doing cool. a pantomime. Yeah, I mean, they've done, a, they've done Christmas shows, you know, uh, and kind of fairy tale based stuff, but I think they would be good at an all out pantomime. I want to see Martin Crimp's panto. Oh, see. yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's okay. I wonder what Carol Churchill would do with a panto. The pantomime cow would gradually disappear as the show went on. <laughs> Imagine having to do that effect on stage. Bit by bit, still only the tail was visible. Well, you know, you're directing it, Lynn, so... <laughs> this is your beginner's call. Beginners, stand by, please. Beginners, stand by, please. Thank you. That's all for now. There's so much Panto coverage on the Stage website, so head over to thestage.co.uk for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, Charcoal Blue, and check in again next month for loads more. Until then, bye-bye.